I mean, it changed my comedy for sure. I talked to her about it at night when I got home from work and she was like, look, it's just, it's over. And I was devastated. And then I woke up the next morning, I was in bed and I was just like, my brain was cracked. Like I, I started writing jokes about it immediately because I was just so fucked up. And I had my show that night and I just went on stage hosting the show and talked about all this stuff. And Ryan was like, that's you now. He was like, this is your comedy now. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this weekend, we've got Julia Rousey in from Los Angeles to headline Big Hunt. You can get tickets and info on the website. Our guest today is Tom Takar. Tom is a great comic who has appeared on Conan and has a half-hour Comedy Central special coming out next month. In this episode, Tom talks about progressing from a small scene in Indiana to clubs in Chicago and eventually to New York and the Comedy Cellar, and how he had to persevere through the many challenges that comics face along the way. I started comedy. The first time I ever did it was at this open mic. You had to drive. It was in Indianapolis. It was an hour and a half away. And you had to drive out there, sign up a month in advance, and then show up a month later to do three minutes. Well, so you had to drive an hour and a half just to sign up. Just to sign up. And, and then you had, you had to, to like, wait watch the show or whatever, which I get. It was probably good that I did that. Because watching a bad open mic gives you the confidence to be like, oh, maybe I could do this. Yeah, definitely. And so it was kind of a good thing. And it also gets people to come out and support each other and shit. But it was uh, not a good scene at the time. So I did it that one time. And then I was I didn't do it again for like a year or something like that. And then the Comedy Attic in Bloomington opened. And like all these comics that I loved from Comedy Central were coming and performing there. And I was like, oh, shit, there's this place in my town now. How old were you? I was, um, I think I was 20 when the, I was 20 years old when the Comedy Attic opened because I remember turning 21 and going there and drinking. Were you in college? I was in college, yeah. I was doing improv at the time because I was like, oh, stand up, there's nowhere to do it. Is that Indiana University? Yep. Yeah, okay. that's Indiana University. So I was doing, I, I was in an improv troupe out there that, uh, called who's on it was who's on first which is a horrible name sure. and it still exists so good luck to you guys yeah. out there <laughs> uh, but yeah i was like one of the founding members of this improv troupe and so that like got me comfortable on stage and one of the guys from that wanted to do stand-up also and so we both went and tried the open mic out at the comedy attic and i just fucking bombed like yeah i had tried to do stand-up a few times like at that point like just around campus and stuff yeah. like that. And I saw somebody else say this the other day. Doing stand-up on a college campus when you're a college student is the easiest thing in the world. Oh, like really? they're, they're so supportive. And you're like talking to people who are exactly in your demographic. Yeah, yeah. So it's really easy compared to, you know, Strangers, what it could be. Yeah. yeah. And so going up at the Comedy Attic, I was so ready to just murder and I got nothing. And yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was because I was bad. Like, I was a very bad comedian. And uh, so I did it a couple times there, and I bombed, and I was like, I'm never doing it again. And then and, uh, one of my improv guys was like, I really want to try it, and I only want to do it if you're – I need you to do it too. Yeah, yeah. And that time I had a hot one. so I, Kept you going. I was like, all right, that's it. I'm doing this now forever. And then how – and then, like, right away, how how often were you going up? 
at first I was going up like once a month, once every two weeks. Cause mm-hmm. it was also in high demand. A lot of people wanted to go up and yeah. it was, people always shit on open mics. And it's like, when you're, when you come from a scene like that, you don't know what an open mic is because that open mic had like 120 people. Oh it. yeah. 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 It was like, it would be one of the best shows in New York or right. in Chicago or right. anywhere. Like, but pe- so when people are like, Oh, I hate open mics. You're like, what are you talking about? And then you move to New York or Chicago and you're like, Oh yeah. It's yeah. performing for other comedians. It sucks. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I was, I was going up, I think like once a month, it was still pretty stressful for the first like four or five months or so. And then, there, there was like a con. It was like a contest at the same time. It was like the open mic was a competition, and so I started placing in that. Um, and then I started getting to go up kind of regularly, and not having to bring people. And so I started going up once every other week, and then it became once every week. And then I quit my, my improv troupe and just started doing it. I started driving to other cities with other comics and doing it as much as I could. So when you when uh, you were in a little scene like that, it seemed like you got used to going down the road early. You have to, because that at the time that was the only spot you could right. go up in Bloomington. And there was another one nighter in town, but they didn't do an open mic at the time. And also the owner of the comedy attic used to get pissed off if you would go do that room because he was like, and he was right at that time because those of us who were doing it, it had a little bit of a draw with our friends for a little while. Yeah. And he didn't want us to ruin that with right, another right. spot. And we ended up like, talking i we still go back and forth on this to this day i think but like you really have to be able to go up in other places in your town like dc is great about that yeah Uh, you're great about that because people come from other spots to come do that to do this room yeah it seems yeah i mean i i mean it seems fucked up to like tell comics that well you were also a comic too yeah that's why yeah yeah because i'm i look at it from a comics standpoint yeah like yeah you're trying to get spots like as long as you're not making the show worse by being annoying yeah by trying to squeeze too many in and now right. you're, now that this show's long and war it war we're missing sure. you like then then it's annoying but yeah yeah as long as you can do it and it doesn't mess up other stuff up right then, right right then do it yeah. it's it's huge when you're st- especially the scene you start out in because if you get better by doing more spots like that's right. just what it is it's been proven time and time again the people doing the most sets for it, the most part it's also set sets not like just right. open mics but it's also nice to go from like from one room to another yes in, in like rapid succession because you you're really like you know you, you're like putting your your brain and your body like through yeah. a, a test that absolutely that's testing it a lot more than if you just do three sets in the same room yeah well i even like doing it like the different times at night, like the the midnight show is so different oh, yeah. from other shows because people are kooky. Like that was a true mess last <laughs> night. I think you know. What I think it was. I think I didn't realize it until I got home. But I was like, I think it's it got cold out. Yeah. And people got excited because it was sure. fall, and then they yeah. got wasted. I get that. Yeah, because you drink different things. I yeah. think so too. It was nice because it happens that when it gets nice, when it gets warm, the first yeah. time, the first day, it's really nice. People are wasted. Yeah, yeah they're happy. Yeah. They're excited. They're like, it's a new season. Uh huh. And that's that's what happened. I could time. definitely see that happening because yeah, this was the first day of it being a little chillier outside. Yeah, that could be it for sure. But yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but I like that sometimes. I like to change in pace because it gets you on your toes again. Right. And, and so much of comedy is just getting out of your comfort zone and like making yourself think a different way yeah. 
or write in a different way. It's it's interesting. It's also I mean, it's also interesting um, seeing people that kind of start out in New York or go to New York really early. Yeah, yeah. Um, the difference in like how much they go on the road and, uh-huh. and like kind of like their their ability on stage and then also like the kind of you know the kind of people like comics that they're friends with because i think mm-hmm. when you, you're people that are in the middle of the country that get used to being on the road you kind of have these relationships with all these headliners yeah that have been taking you out for years sure 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 and you establish a relationship with those clubs yeah so you can go back that's to true them. and i think um something that comics that kind of start early in new york miss uh-huh. out on a little bit is like all that that road experience yeah, it's so tricky because I think there's the grass is always greener. Right. Because I had the thing of moving to New York and being like, man, I don't know how people start there because it seems impossible. But the people who do and have been there for 10 years are a lot of the biggest headliners in the country now. You know, like, yeah. like Sam Marill is somebody who I look at and it's like that dude's been doing it for so long. But he started young because there's opportunities in New York and now he's a killer. Right. And it's like. You couldn't have done that, and I literally couldn't have done that in Bloomington. Oh I no couldn't way! Have started that young, and I couldn't have gotten as much stage time. But also, I couldn't be used to New York. Like New York is this intimidating place when you're from the Midwest, even out of Chicago. Moving here, moving to New York, I was like, or "Will my jokes work? Or is it, am yeah. I funny here? Uh-huh. Are they really smart here?" And then you realize you, it takes time, and then you realize, oh, it's just a bigger it's just more diverse that's it like it's it's not like there's like this hip audience necessarily maybe in brooklyn adjustment you just have to make an adjustment it's not like a a whole new thing you don't need to write all new jokes no but like there's some there's some rooms maybe your jokes won't work because they're too roady or something but that's probably good to get out anyway right but then there's sometimes it's like yeah these are tourists they're not going to know what you're right reference to this or that like it's just finding a way to make your jokes about you and then click right. them. I don't know. It's still tough, but <laughs> yeah, I, d- yeah, I think there's, a, I think there are advantages and disadvantages. Cause mm-hmm. you know, obviously being in New York, you get into those clubs earlier and yeah. you can also have a chance at late night sets earlier. Uh, well, the late night set, yeah. Late night sets are way, it's almost impossible to get them from anywhere, but New York or LA. Yeah. Like the, I remember seeing someone get it out of Chicago and being shocked because yeah, it, it happens every once so in a while. Hard. Yeah. yeah. It's usually because of festivals or something. Right. And so a lot of people have to do that, but I, yeah, I didn't realize how much stress people who started in New York had about going on the road where I'll talk to people and they're like, ah, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, know, I don't know about clubs and I'm like, Oh, but you're killing it in New York. That's crazy to me. Um, but they don't know what to do. Yeah, the way that people talk about it, it's intimidating in the same way that New York is for people yeah. in the middle of the country because you're like, oh, what are they, idiots out there? Yeah, are they yeah. like, is there any point in me even doing Which, my like, jokes? Which starts to annoy the shit out of me when people do that. I was in uh, Portland and somebody was like, this guy went on stage and he was like, ugh, I have to go to Iowa yeah. tomorrow. And he's like, here's what I'm going to be, here's what the comedy's going to be like there. Like, ooh. I'm a fucking idiot. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not what it's like. I mean, yeah, some places sure. for sure, but like not everywhere. It's just, it's so stupid. I was, I kind of had that impression. I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh, which is pretty close to the yeah. Midwest. And I had to go to Kansas city for, for work for a couple of months. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be so terrible. And boring. Yeah. 
and then you're like, oh, this is a regular place. It's just a place. This is regular. And people. there's shitty people, and then there's good, yeah. and then there's smart, and there's like there's war- like it, it's just everywhere is kind of more. There's there's more groups of people than you think there are. Right. I I learned that from um, immersion. Like I went on a tour of the South because I kind of had that in my head. I was like, oh, we're going to Tennessee. Yeah, or right, this right. Be dumb as hell. And I did some of the coolest rooms I've done out there like i did this place in chattanooga that was cool as hell called jj bohemians yeah and the audience was awesome like pretty much if you if you want to find cool rooms if you want to find a cool place in a city check out kyle canane's calendar because he goes to all those places and you're like oh they must have a room where people who like comedy go to yeah Um, i I remember talking to jared logan a long time ago yes and i was like Because he's from West Virginia, Uh but he's got all this anti-God material. He's like pretty, I mean, it's very like left-leaning politics. And then I'm like, how do you do that? How are you able Uh to like tour all through the South? Yeah. And he's like, there's cool places in in every state. Yeah. And what you learn is the audiences in those towns wanted even more because they're used to hearing. I remember I was terrified. I was going to Salt Lake City, uh, a club called Wise Guys, and I had never been there before. And I was like, fuck, they're going to hate me. Yeah, I was like, I at the time I was like, I'm half dirty like i was like half my set was a little dirty and i was like they're gonna hate me i'm not gonna be able to get away with anything they were the best they were some of the best audiences i've ever seen because they're like we never get to hear this shit you know um yeah it's nice i mean it's obviously there's like a big community of people who want to hear clean stuff out there too but the people who want to hear the other are so psyched when you come through town yeah Um, how long how long did you live in bloomington I or, or lived do in, comedy. In I did comedy in Bloomington. It was weird because I lived there till I was like twenty, till I was twenty-two, and then I got engaged and moved to Ohio. And I had been doing comedy for about, I'd call it like six months at that point, mm-hmm. like somewhat consistently, and then moved to Ohio, started over there, um, which was brutal. And then uh, I my engagement fell apart, and I moved back to Indiana for another like three years i think let me think 22 i moved back when i was 23 and then um i was there till i was 25 so yeah like two and a half three years so i did comedy in bloomington for like three or four years yeah so well do you want to talk about your uh engagement falling apart it's funny because it's like even now when i i'll talk about it on stage a little bit because it's i think it's interesting but like now I'm like, I live with me and my girlfriend moved in. Like yeah. she's talking about marriage shit, uh-huh. and so I'm like, I I'm in the I'm in a different world now, and it's weird that that even happened. But then sometimes I'll still have like dreams about it and stuff. Well, I'm actually writing a script with my buddy. I today I was talking about it because we're working on this thing, and he was like, we should start out the show with your engagement falling apart, and yeah. I was like. It's so weird to get back in that mind space, but I was typing out a fictional fight that was based on a real one. Yeah. And it was like, oh shit, this is all still right there. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's deep in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it changed my comedy for sure. How do you think because, it changed your comedy? Well, I was like, um, there's a there's a great uh, movie that Mike Birbiglia made called Sleepwalk with Me. Yeah, it's like it's one of my favorite movies. I fucking love Mike Birbiglia. He's actually shaped my life a lot. He's the reason I changed my name too. Um, but anyway, uh, 
There's a from, part from Tom Brady to from Tom Brady to, to Tom Takar. Yeah, he was like, you got to change it. And Takar yeah, is yeah. my father's last name, yeah. so it was like, and eh, it makes the most sense, I guess. And I'm half Indian, so I was like, it's probably good to reflect that a little sure. bit. But um, yeah, Berbiglia has a great part in his movie where he's on the road doing all these silly jokes that he wrote in college. And then stuff is happening in his real life that's fucked up. And so one night he just starts talking about that stuff. And all of a sudden people are more into it. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That happened to me in real time where I remember I was running. I I started a show in Ohio that was like this hot fucking show at a brewery. I'm still this. The saddest part about my engagement ending is that I lost this show that I created. (laughs) And then it just turned. Eventually it kind of turned to shit. But. Uh, it was such a great show. It was at this little brewery. They had a back, like they had a separate bar, like a separate building behind the building that was the bar. And so they had like a smaller tap and shit, but they let me have a show there. And it was, it only held like 40 people. It was kind of like the size of this room. It a little smaller. Yeah. So it was, it was fucking tiny, but it would pack out. It's fun to be in those rooms. It's amazing because it's so intimate and so I was hosting it. I can. It's so weird. I just started talking about it. I just remembered the smell of it, like the smell of that room. Yeah. It was a weird beer smell. Anyway, hot room. Uh, and I was hosting it once or twice a week. And I was doing my old stuff. I had, like, jokes about college or whatever. And they would work. But, like, one night, it was the day that she ended it, basically. I was at work, and she told me it was over. And I, like thought i could get a back get her back and i just couldn't and then um i w- i remember i talked to her about it at night when i got home from work and she was like look it's just it's over and i was devastated and then i woke up the next morning just like she she had to go to med school and i woke up and i was in bed and i was just like my brain was cracked. Like I, yeah. I started writing jokes about it immediately because I was just so fucked up. And I had my show that night and I just went on stage hosting the show and talked about all this stuff. And I remember my buddy, do you know Ryan Singer? I don't know him personally. So he's a good friend of mine, but he was supposed to stay on my couch that night. And I was like, Hey man, just so you know, I don't think either of us have a place to stay tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to find an alternate plan yeah. because you can't stay with me. Right. I'm not even staying there. And um, I went on stage and talked about it. And Ryan was like, that's you now. He was like, this is your comedy now. Don't do the other shit anymore. He was like, was follow stuff, this. What was the other stuff like? It was, I still had, like, I don't do the jokes anymore. But, like, uh, I talked a lot about, like, it was back when Facebook liking started. And uh-huh. so I was, like, talking about how stupid that is. Like, right, Tom yeah. likes this. And then, uh <laughs> And then, uh, um, so like, it's kind of a uh, topical observation. Yeah, stuff. but like, very, it was a lot of pranky stuff. Like, I don't even remember some of it. What the fuck did I used to talk about? I, uh, I'm sure it was like cartoon stuff. And then, like, uh, there's one joke that if I do colleges, sometimes I'll bring back where it's, uh, that I used to, um, on college campuses, they'll do a thing where there's sidewalk chalk mm-hmm. and it'll be like, uh, kayak club call out meeting 7:30, and i'll run underneath it bring condoms with my own chalk yeah and so that was a big hit of mine for a long time uh when i lived in a college town and then yeah i <laughs> i just remember that talking about how do you her do leaving. that on stage 
just exactly like that. You just tell them what yeah. you wrote on it. Yeah, and people loved it. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay. and then I had a darker punchline that I would put in uh, for a second punchline. But yeah, there was a lot of just like dark twist stuff. I was really into Nick Swardson and yeah. uh, Jim Gaffigan and like Dane Cook when I started, when mm-hmm. I very first started. And so that there was some influences there, um, and a lot of the jokes were like the like Nick Swardson jokes. Yeah. And then, how long did you live in Chicago? Just two years. And what? Was how quick. was that fun? I loved it. That seems I like love that, Chicago. That would probably be like a great uh, memory. It was. It was great, but it was also a pain in the ass. But I love Chicago. It's Why one of my favorite scenes. Well, it's again. It's every time you start over. I think it takes years off your life. Like it's it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. People don't give a shit that you're there. They're kind of mad at you yeah, for being yeah, there. Yeah. They're like, and I had been featuring it a couple of clubs, so I kind of had a bit of a, like, hey, well, I'm a guy. I yeah, belong ready to here. feature at your clubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, fuck you. And right. then it's funny. I did a. I lucked out that uh, I had a couple people rec- recommend me to do JFL, and so. There was at the time there was only one audition for JFL. Mm-hmm. It was or one night of auditions, and it was I think two shows, or maybe just one. But uh, it was at the best club at the time in the city, which was Up Comedy Club, and what was it's inside Second City. It's like at the top floor of Second City, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful club. It's like a l- little theater, and it was packed out. All the comics in the scene were there because they wanted to see the show. Like they wanted to see yeah. who was getting it and why. Right. And I was in new person there on the list of like 10 comics getting this audition so people were pissed right. i found out after yeah they were like who the fuck is this guy why is he getting one and i had one of the hottest sets of my life at the time and it got me in in chicago because everybody saw it and they yeah. were like oh this guy is good and Man, then, it's always good to have uh ability in your back pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure well it's it's tough because every scene is full of like this bitter old of course, guard. Of course, you it know. Is. I'm sure DC has it. Yeah, I don't really everywhere, yeah. know who the people are here who have it, but I everywhere you go, and I ran into a lot of those people in Chicago, and for sure in New York too. But like, at the end of the day, most people want people who are doing well to succeed. Like they want some sort of merit based thing, and I think that I proved myself in that. Right. But then what's funny is then I. I didn't get it that year. They lost the tape of that audition. It was <laughs> so brutal. But luckily, it like it served its purpose because yeah. so many comics were there, and so I started getting booked on all the local shit. And the club, the club saw it too, so they started using me, which was nice. But they lost the tape. I didn't get it that year. And the year that I did get it, I fucking I didn't have a good set. I but the I did it at uh, this club called Jokes and Notes, uh-huh. uh, which is an urban room, and I. They put me up first. I was the only one on the show that wasn't one of their comics. Like the club yeah. got to book the rest of the show, and the festival forced me on. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. They wanted to see me because they had uh, seen me before, and uh, I think they already kind of had it in their head. I, I've heard this before. They kind of know who they want. Yeah, they have sure. an idea of who they want, and so they were like, "Let's just put you on." But the club didn't tell the DJ that. Uh, it was JFL auditions. They thought it was the open mic, and I was the first comic. So they thought that I only got three minutes, oh. and they cut my mic That's at like funny. three, three and a half minutes, and music started. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, I was first, and I was not doing great. I had right. just started getting them, and it was just brutal. So did, did your set end? Yeah, I just had to get off stage, and I was pissed. I was so mad. I started, I, I'm not an angry guy, but I like... 
I went up to the DJ and I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? Why did you just fucked up my year? And yeah. he was like, I don't know, man. What do you want? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Live it. And the club owner like apologized. Um, she's a nice lady. I feel bad. The club ended up closing later, but like it was like a legendary room, but they fucked me. <laughs> and so I was really, That's a really mad. tough story. But the booker was there and he saw that happen. And he was like, hey, man, I know you didn't get to do your time. Send me a tape. And so I sent a tape from a hotter show and got it. Nice. But the comics who were on that show that my mic got cut were pissed yeah, when I yeah, got it. They were like, yeah. that guy didn't do anything. And he, right. <laughs> so I got a lot of shit about that. It's kind of, you know, I still inevitable. have people resentful of me <laughs> in Chicago because of that shit. Yeah, because it just takes like that one example yeah. to that, for them to be able to hold up well, how I know. it's fucked up. Well, that's why it was nice because I somebody like there was a girl who was just openly talking shit about me on Facebook. And uh, I went back to Chicago and Chicago is a scene that loves drama. So, yeah, they put all the bookers put us on the same shows that whole week that I was in town. And I just blew her out of the fucking water, and it felt so good. Yeah. It's a scene that's built on bitterness, but not anymore. It's kind of like New Guard is like new comics have come in and made it a friendlier place. But Yeah, I think it's gotten friendlier here. I, I, I don't think there's uh, as much of that uh-huh. as there used. I mean, there used to be a lot more of it, but it's uh, I can't stand that stuff. So I really yeah, try to keep it away from me uh-huh. as much as possible. But I think like so much of it is just like... Anytime somebody doesn't get something, if they have an example to hold up for why that thing was bullshit. That's exactly it. It's like it's like a perfect thing. They can say, like, look at how fucked up this is. Exactly. Yeah. So I was the example, which was a bummer because it's like I got fucked over in that story, too. So it's like the reality is I and it was also JFL unwrapped, which is like. I try to tell people it's like it's not even that big of a deal. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's nice, but it's like, did you go to the unwrapped show while you were in? I JFL? only went to one of them. I was gonna go to them, and uh-huh. then I saw one of them, and then I was like, I'm gonna go watch the Sklar Brothers and yeah, like yeah. Pete Holmes and stuff. I feel like most people kind of have an attitude of like, well, it's unwrapped. Like, I it's mean, just not I, that watching serious. it, like, you know, there were funny. There's funny people on it. Um, yeah, but you know, it's a worse show than a showcase yeah at big hunt i mean right right well it's a tough show it's yeah. a weird show and yeah, it's, it's a awkward. weird environment it's too pressure too much pressure so uh, like i i went i didn't get a ton out of when i did jfl the first time um and then you go back later and it's that's when it's fun but mm-hmm. the first time you're like it's very stressful almost all the people i know who did it the first time are like it was i didn't even get to enjoy it yeah whatever. yeah yeah i mean i think i think uh if you're young, I, I think you can still have fun like drinking. Sure, and stuff, sure, like, sure. Um, but yeah, the the uh, actual performance, yeah, you know, it's just five minutes in a theater. It's, it's like, yeah, and it's like I I've found like if you're doing it unrepped, the bet the best case scenario is you get a late night set out of it and representation, right? Which is great. Which is a pretty good, yeah. That's, that's good, good, but that's best case scenario, and only a couple people usually get that. Right. Um, and then repped, it's like you can get a bunch of shit. So it's like I almost did wish anything that happen I would. for you when you did it? No, not when I did it the first time. Not really. I I had a weird situation when I did it because I had an agent hip pocket me. Okay. Where that's where they like, kind of called dibs on you without right. signing you. Right. And so this agent promised me the world, up into Classic two weeks agent. before. Yeah, two weeks before the festival, he called me and he was like, "I know you got it. I know you're gonna be there, and we're signing you." 
It was somebody with CAA, and uh-huh. I was like, fuck yeah. He had just seen me at another festival uh-huh. do an hour, and he was like, oh, you're a comic with an hour. Right. I'm, we represent these comics who can't tour because they don't right. They don't have like the time, but I saw you do it, so you're our guy. And then it, it, that was why I moved to New York. I moved to New York like a week later after the festival because mm-hmm. he was like, you moved to New York. I'm getting you in every club except for the Comedy Cellar because we don't have power there. And... Uh, and we'll get you packets, we'll get you auditions, all this shit. And I was like, I did it. I don't even, yeah, I yeah. was like, it doesn't even matter what happens at the festival because I already got what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I show up and he's talking a big game. I do my set and it's fine. Like it wasn't like I bombed or anything, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the set of the night. Caleb yeah. signing at the set of the night, I think. Okay. Um, he was like the talk of our, of our thing. Um, and I was bummed because I like I went bullet spot and it was just like I still think about it and it's like it doesn't even That's matter. Funny. That's it doesn't funny even matter. But it was four it. years ago and I still think about it. Uh, and it did a year. There was a couple comics who did it with me who for a year that's all we talked about because yeah. we were like ah, I guess we fucked up. I don't know. That's the other thing too. Watching it, you know, I'm like I don't think maybe a couple of these comics could headline, uh-huh. but most of them you can tell just by watching it. They're like yeah. you're. You're very you you got a lot of signs that you're like a beginning feature. Right. Well, and that's what that's I think they would even tell you that. Right. I think they would go, yeah, I I just started featuring. So it's like I got it like kind of late for I mean, not really because I was new to Chicago. I'd only lived in Chicago for a couple of years or whatever, but. I was already six years into comedy when I got it, which a lot of the unrep new faces are like Caleb, who I was sharing a room with was like three or four years. Right. In. Yeah. It seems like a lot of them are three or four. And it, and it seems like maybe they might even be going like earlier to mm-hmm. try to get the whatever the most the chance of like a superstar. Yeah. Well, it's really competitive now because Comedy Central is doing it, too. Right. Because they have Clusterfest yeah. and they're like up next stuff. So I think there's a little bit of a competition about like who can we totally. find who's there not. There definitely is, and they yeah. want and they they want to lock in that that early talent for sure. So, yeah, and so that that's why it was kind of like I was like I don't know why I'm watching this because I can't yeah. book any of these people for anything. Right, right. Maybe to like middle, but you're like, why would I? Yeah. And I don't I don't like booking out of town people. Right. Middle, I mean, really. you guys have such a big yeah, scene it's here. Like I'd rather because I. The thing is, like, if you're a middle from out of town, you're not going to be used to this room, and you're gonna it's gonna have to adjust to yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be tricky, and it's like there are people here who do this room every right. day, so th- I'd rather have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there shows here every day? No, but t- Tuesday through yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Damn. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah. After my set, this agent was like, dude, the second you get to New York, you're signed. He told everybody at the festival that I was, I kept, people were wow. coming up to me. People, oh, because he probably wanted were, to prevent other people. Exactly. From, so yeah. people were coming up to me, which I don't think that that stopped them because I found out that with agents, people will just kind of talk to you yeah, anyway. Right, with right. managers, they don't really do that. But um, I had, people were just coming up to me and being like, dude, congratulations. I heard you signed with CAA. Yeah. And I was like, well, I haven't signed shit. Yeah. But I was like, okay, cool. And then I moved to New York that was it. I. I remember I left JFL, went to Salt Lake City for that first time, and then came back, moved to New York the next day, emailed him, never heard back. Wow, for didn't six respond to you. He didn't respond for like six months. And yeah, what do you say? He was just I, I. I followed up and I sent him a tape that I thought could be a late night set because mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm trying to get on. Maybe you can help me with this. 
and he gave me a joke suggestion that sucked. Right. He like wrote a joke for my set that I was like, that is dog shit. And I kind of just didn't talk to him. And then I ended up running into him at a festival like a year later and he seemed kind of apologetic. He just seemed like he had left that agency and he was like, yeah, it turned out I didn't have as much power as I thought I had. And I was like, I kind of felt bad for him, but I was also like, well, he could have been more honest. He should have told you that. Yeah. Because it fucked me up. He would have told you from the beginning or if he even told you what he was doing and like, I'm pulling for you, they're not letting me do it. Yes. Then then at least you would know. Yeah, exactly. Then you'd be doing the right thing. Well, and they ended up signing the fat Jew at that that festival. That was like the only signing they did i was so gonna was like, say they deserve to get that fucked up signing but then it, they probably made tons of money off of yeah that. i'm sure it was fine yeah probably but no it all the great. thing is like i feel like i sound like bitter about this i don't actually care like it all works out like oh you're right it doesn't really matter because then going back this time was so fun yeah and it's but it's also uh it's it's important to remember like shitty things happen to you yeah and you know you just fucking move on and then sure cool and you can happen. think you're done you can right. think your career's over because is you that what you felt up. like I thought that I blew it like when I didn't get all the shit out of it I was like well I blew it so, I, okay, it so my when, shot. when you're in that like when you're in that six months after you just moved to New York uh huh you are now ghosted by the agent yep and. I assume you're having trouble getting on shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was getting maybe a show a month if I was lucky. What year was this? This was 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fucking brutal. Like I, uh, I hated it. I was touring with Nikki Glazer at the time. Yeah. So that was the one like feather in my Bright cap spot, that I was yeah. like, at least I have this, but I was breaking even at the time I, or losing money because yeah. when I was in Chicago, it's easy to travel from there. Mm-hmm. But out of New York, I was having to fly to San Francisco, fly to Denver, fly to all these places, some places putting myself up. Like, you, it's so fucking hard to do this shit. Yeah. Especially moving to New York, uh, where your rent goes way up. Uh, no, I was like, I gained like 30 pounds. I was so depressed. Did you feel like you needed to stay on the road with Nikki, even though you weren't making money, just to keep it going? Yeah, I mean, yeah, to make, to do the time, to keep the relationships with comics and stuff or clubs and clubs right but also it was like yeah i'm this is me being a comedian like this is i i love doing comedy so i was like i want to do this but i had a temp job at the time like i was doing it full-time in chicago moved to new york had to get a job which is fine whenever people are like i can't get hired to do like a writing job and they like ask people for money online it's like get a job yeah yeah get a regular job right it's so annoying (laughs) i know i've had the conversation with people here it drives me insane it's like you think you're if you're not making money doing this then get a job like that's just it it's you have time yeah and it's not that it's not that bad to have a day job and no it's kind of good sometimes because it like i've I don't, I'm lucky right now that I don't need a job. I'm still like, I'm trying to get a writing job right now, but my special is coming out in November. So like that kind of floated me for a while. And it's, I work at, like I work enough in New York and like on the road to not need a job mm-hmm. anymore. But I thought about just walking dogs in my off time because yeah. I, re- I kind of miss having something. Yeah. It's nice to like, when you sit at home at your apartment all day long during the day yes. and you're just, uh, it's your responsibility to go to a coffee shop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of time can kind of like get fucked up in your head. Absolutely. And it gets a little depressing. Yeah. Like I have cats now and I just hang out with the cats right. and I'm like, I just feel like a fucking loser some yeah, days. And weird. I'm like, and then I go out at night and I'm out all night and then 
I'm like, oh yeah, this is my job. I'm supposed to be off during the day, right? But I can't enjoy it because I'm like, oh, I should be working. It I feels be like you should that. be working. I have that yeah. exact same thing. I'm like, no matter what time it is, I feel like, like yeah. if I'm if I don't go to a show, I feel bad. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. at the show. And then if it's daytime, I'm like, well, it's everyone's working right yeah. now. And yeah, I'm getting yeah, and emails. it's like you don't even have time to like hang with any because like, everybody's doing stuff. Right. Like all my friends get off at night, and then. Like, I have a couple friends who I, like, play tennis with and stuff and, like, play video games with or whatever during the day or get coffee with. But, like, for the most part, most of my friends are at work. So, I'm like, I should be at work. I feel yeah. like a, an asshole. So, um, what, when you went to go back to, like, uh, that that time after JFL, uh-huh. when you were having a tough time in New York. Yes. And then did things like slowly come together for you? Did yeah. you have like, did you catch a break that like pulled you out of that? Slowly. It's just like trudging along and like doing well in the right spots. Like I remember the first couple things that I remember being good in New York was there was a hot show called Cobra club. Yeah. Uh, in Brooklyn. Kronberg. What's that? Kronberg. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. When I got there, he wasn't part of it anymore. Um, it was Amber Nelson uh-huh. and, uh, Eric Bergstrom uh-huh. and um, it was the hottest show. It was insane. And there was somebody else. Oh, John F. John F. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, who's back in New York. I heard. I, yeah. I just saw him there. Um, Performing. No, he was just hanging out. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love that guy. He's a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. I love him. Um, troubled, troubled, great guy, but he's, yeah, he's really funny. He's one of those guys that I remember seeing when I first moved to New York and I was like him and Amber, I had never seen before. And I remember, cause at the time when you're in comedy, it's such a small world that you think, you know, everybody yeah, and yeah. you've heard of all the funny people. And then moving to New York, Amber especially was the first person that I was like, how the fuck have I not heard of this lady? Yeah. It's exciting to find someone new, but it's also exciting to find someone that's unique like that. Yes. They're both very unique. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, a, a whole person that's completely different from everybody else. Yeah, and I saw John at Caroline's do some, like, he did a longer set and just hilarious. Like, yeah. I loved it. Um, but, yeah, so I had a, I got on that show, and I had a hot one on that. And it was kind of like, it reminded me of that JFL experience where right. enough comics used to go to that show that they saw that, and they were like, oh, we got to And I had also built up a little bit of a network from Chicago. It yeah. wasn't like Chicago where I was starting completely over. I would built a little bit. I had a few, because yeah. a lot of New York is Chicago. Yeah, like, so the, many, who were the people that you were friends with from Chicago? Uh, who did I have? I had, like, Lisa Traeger uh-huh. and uh, Megan Gailey, and damn, there's so many that I, like, honestly can't even remember like i did i it's funny a lot of those guys that were i only met mateo um after we both lived in new york i think who i he's just a monster he's i was saying this the other day because i he's at the cellar a lot too and he's like the only person i hate to follow in the world maybe because because he's so fucking good but also he's such a great performer yeah, like incredible performer. he's just talented in these different he can sing and fucking he's so good yeah he's like a professional performer yes, like, yes. whereas like most comics you're like that's a regular person yeah that is doing stand-up comedy yeah but then he's like you're like that's like an actor that's yeah. doing stand-up com- like that is yes a, like a who's professional. but like great because yeah. usually that goes a bad yeah, way yeah not, yeah it does yeah that does have a I'm bad sure, connotation like like there's other like i'm sure probably rory scovel i wouldn't want to he's probably he might course. be my favorite comedian um, yes yeah, same he's 
he's so good. But uh, yeah, the people like that who are just so good at performing, performing with great jokes to back it up. Yeah. It's just a different level. And like, I like following him because it's a challenge, but mm-hmm. it's, he's the person who, if I show up and I'm like, oh, I just wanted to have fun tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, wanted to go up and kind of cruise control through this. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's good though. It brings the best out of you. Yeah, for sure. To be in that situation. So then, uh, you eventually, you start doing like one nighters, uh-huh. right? On the yeah. road and these clubs. Yeah. That, yeah. Did you do that? I did a little bit of that. Well, I did a lot of that when I lived in Chicago okay. and Indiana because that's all – like, Indiana was covered in one-nighters. And you right. meet these bookers. Like, there's uh, a family called the Yoders yeah. who book a bunch of shit in the East Coast and Midwest and stuff. And so I would do their stuff. I Like, the dream in the Midwest for when you're new is to get in with the Yoders because right. – they used to have, I don't know if they still book it, but Madison, uh, Wisconsin has arguably the best comedy club in the world. Or like, uh, yeah, like that's like a road room. Yeah. Um, because it's like, it's always packed and it's always, they bring in great comics, but also it kind of doesn't matter who you are. They're going to pack it out. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I headlined a night there and it was packed and it was like five years ago. So it was like there, I had no credits at all. So it's just a great room. Um, but they used to book the features for it, I think. So it was like getting in with them. It's like, yeah, you can get a year of work. And then, uh, so I did a bunch of that shit, but it's weird. And then like when I did that Southern tour that I made my, me and my buddies, uh, Dwight Simmons and Cam O'Connor, we like, those are all one nighters. Right. Um, but it's funny. There's good one nighters and there's bad right. one nighters. And I did a lot of bad. How one-nighters. was it when you set it up for yourself? You Those were mostly good. Oh, that's good. Because they were rooms that had kind of been built already into like like Sean Patton had done them. Right. Uh, Kanane, like I said, right. uh, Jared Logan probably. Right. Like the, all these people had kind of gone through. Hannibal was doing a lot of that shit yeah, back the then. The people who know how to set up their own stuff. Yes, and people. Well, I mean, they already had their own. The shows were already existing, but right. you're like, they must be vetted if yeah. like that exists. Yeah, there like was a show like that. Know how to figure that stuff out. There was a show like this in Indianapolis called The Sinking Ship, and it was better than any of the clubs in Indy. And that was the first time I'd ever seen that, where I was like, oh, this Alti room is actually way better yeah. than the club because I was used to the clubs being the better room. Right. And that was when I was like, oh, you can get an audience that's not like just there to drink and like these are people who want to see a show and it's cool like it's um it was a beautiful room but the guy who booked that cam had a network with all these other rooms because of that like i'm sure you probably had that where it's like somebody's coming through town and they they want to know what the room is so like they'll they'll string together shit and so he had done that with some comics and he was a comic too, so he was like, "Oh, I'll just do the run that I'm helping someone else set up." Right. Um, so yeah, the, that was cool. Then uh, eventually, eventually, you got on Conan. Uh huh. And you got you have started to get full club weekends now. Yeah. Headlining. Yeah. How ma- are you doing? A bunch of those now. Do it's starting to add up. Where it's like it's a slow. Th- for a while, I was on the radio and I couldn't do a lot of them, and then it became a thing where I. I got like a like I doing the half hours kind of made it to where and I got an I got an agent finally so like that kind of made it to where I could do more. Yeah. Um but yeah, I try to cuz I don't like being on the road too much and the weird thing is the clubs in New York pay so well on the weekends 
that you almost don't want to leave Is all the right? time. The comedy cellar, if you stack them up, you can make a lot of money on a on a weekend there, and you're home, so it's right. nice. But uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a decent amount. Yeah. And are you in what do you what is your special that you have coming up? It's Comedy Central Half Hour, November first. And um, you've already recorded it. I taped it almost a fucking like ten months ago. In January. It, yeah, in January. So, um, and I gotta thank you because I asked you if I could run my half hour to get a tape. Uh-huh. That tape is what got me the half hour. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, hey, I owe it all to you. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for me. But, uh, yeah, no, it's awesome when people get uh, half hours from uh-huh. the tapes from here. And uh, definitely a bunch of people have. Um, yeah. And uh, even from bad sets sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. But uh, did you? were you happy with your set uh, when it was recorded? I was thrilled. I was really thrilled. I... Uh, my buddies told me I like couldn't see this. Well, they told me to stay on stage for a little bit after like just like make stretch out my goodbye. Uh-huh. And during that, apparently I got a standing ovation, but I didn't see it and they didn't they're not showing it. So it's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is almost like it didn't happen. Didn't see even I didn't see knew, it. I didn't because I was just like getting off stage. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was super happy with it. Hopefully it turns out good my i actually just got a nice email from somebody who pre-screened it so i was like because i don't like to watch myself yeah i didn't watch my conan for like a week um i just don't like to watch Can you, do you are you able to watch the half hour before it comes out they sent me a tape of an early cut and yeah. i watched it just to see which material uh-huh. they were going with and i had some notes that they let me oh that's cool give so hopefully they took them but i haven't seen since then yeah i probably won't until it comes out and when's it come out november 1st at 11 p.m on comedy central all right man um but yeah i guess the lesson here is if it's uh, if life and comedy suck yeah just keep on going it sucks but you got a half hour coming out yeah headline in big hunt yeah it's great no yeah. it's it's great now but yeah. there was like i said that time i thought i blew it and then like a year and a half of new york I hated li- my life, yeah. <laughs> and then you go to the other side. It's good now. Yeah, now you're set for life. I'm. So- I don't have to do anything <laughs> ever again. <laughs> All right, thanks, All right, man. Thanks, man. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.